This is Sunrise. The who, what, when, where, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Jim Rossica, filling in for your regular host, Rick Flagg, from our recording studio high atop Wayne Tower in Gotham City. No, we're really in a soundproof room in downtown Tallahassee. Coming up, the Democratic presidential debate on Tuesday will be the largest primary debate in American political history. Wilton Simpson will be designated Senate president for the 2020-2022 term. And to paraphrase the old song, guess who just got back today? Them wild-eyed lawmakers that had been away. It's a committee week, and that means the legislature is back in town. All that and Steve Shale on this edition of Sunrise. And now the top stories. Here's Time Magazine's take on Tuesday's Democratic presidential primary debate. It's a big one, literally. Twelve, count them, twelve candidates will appear on stage. The New York Times calls the next debate, quote, the largest presidential primary debate in recorded American political history, end quote. Here's who you can expect in no particular order because I didn't feel like alphabetizing them. Former Vice President Joe Biden... New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, California Senator Kamala Harris, Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Julian Castro, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke, O'Rourke rather, Entrepreneur and philanthropist Andrew Yang, and last but not least, billionaire executive Tom Steyer, making his Democratic National Committee-sanctioned presidential primary debate debut. Co-hosted by the New York Times, Tuesday's debate will air on CNN at 8 p.m. from Otterbein University in Westerville, Ohio. Tuesday, we'll see Wilton Simpson, a 53-year-old Trilby Republican, formally selected by his Republican colleagues as the next president of the Florida Senate in a special ceremony. Simpson, first elected in 2012, has been the chamber's GOP majority leader in 2016 and 17. He'll take over leadership after current president and Bradenton Republican Bill Galvano departs office next year. Of course, that assumes the GOP maintains its majority after the next election cycle. That's currently 23 Republicans over the 17 Democrats. The Pasco County resident is an egg farmer and also owns an environmental remediation company. And the legislature is back in town with the usual slew of committees meeting. I'll tell you what's on the agenda a little later in the podcast. Now let's take a break to hear from one of our sponsors. Florida is a great place to live and do business. Let's keep it that way. By supporting the Florida Competitive Workforce Act, legislators can do the right thing. To remain competitive globally, we must be a welcoming state for everyone to live, work, and play. 11 Fortune 500 companies, 35 major employers, and hundreds of small businesses support the act. And 68% agree it's wrong to discriminate in employment, public housing, and accommodations. Go to floridacompetes.org. Tell your legislator to hear the Florida Competitive Workforce Act. And now with us is a Florida man without equal. He's been a Democratic political strategist, director of the Barack Obama campaign in Florida, 
a friend to Brendan Farrington, and now a lobbyist because we all got to pay the bills. Steve Shale. Steve, thanks for being with us here in Stately Wayne Tower. Uh, I mean, our soundproof recording studio in an undisclosed location somewhere in Tallahassee. Are we in Tallahassee? We you are. Sure? We can say that much. Jim, it is a real honor. This is a absolute career highlight for me. Thank you. Thank you very much, as it is with me. Uh, so, Steve, we liter- we have a literally big, some might say huge, Democratic presidential uh, debate tonight. Let's start off by, by telling us what issues are going to drive this debate. Well, the first thing, this will be the largest stage we've had. There are 12 candidates on the stage this this time. So, uh, you know, even more than in previous debates, you're going to have, you know, not that many questions asked because you're going to have to create time for everybody to answer these these questions. And so, you know, I think that, the, you know, the I suspect that with the news around impeachment, there'll be a significant discussion around sort of the role of the presidency, the power of the presidency, uh, what is impeachable? What is a high crime misdemeanor? How how will each of the candidates in the future, you know, kind of go out of their way to try to protect the institution from what it's going through right now? And then I suspect too, with with some of the news uh, coming out of Syria, for example, we've not really had much focus on foreign policy at any of these debates. There's been one or two questions in each, but I wouldn't be surprised if, again, given the news coming out of Syria, given the fact the CIA. To, uh, you know, just released uh, their report that uh, uh, Jamal Khashoggi was was killed by the Saudis, and and I, I would not be surprised. Hong Kong, big issues that are blowing up all over the world. If you'll see more of a foreign policy interest, uh, any other big salient one besides uh, foreign policy that you can throw out there too? I mean, there are just so many things that that are in the conversation. You know, in the Democratic primary, there's been a, a huge conversation around sort of expansion of healthcare and what that looks like. Whether we go with more of a sort of Medicaid for all, you know, or, or single payer type healthcare versus a uh, a public option that folks like Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg have talked about. I think you'll probably see some drilling down on that again, just because there's been there's been a contrast between the candidates. Uh, there's been some interesting conversation around guns of late. You've had a, a debate between uh, Beto and again Mayor Pete uh, around around guns and registration and mandatory buybacks. So I think you'll find a couple of these issues that where there have been some public disagreements between the candidates, an opportunity for the moderators to create some dissent on stage. And Steve, if you would pick three candidates from tonight and tell me what it is most important for them, what 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 points or highlights it is most important for them to hit out of this debate? Yeah, so I'm going to take three that are a little bit off the normal sort of, you know, it's e- easy to talk about Biden or, or Warren. Sure. But let's talk about three that I think actually have really important work to do. You've got uh, Bernie Sanders, who's just recovered, returning to the, the trail from, the, from his heart attack. Um, you know, I, I run... Uh, cross country three times a week with a guy that recovered from a heart attack and had, had the same surgery that Bernie did. And, you know, he's doing great and has no issues whatsoever. But I think, so I, I, while I suspect that Bernie will fully recover, I think it's going to be important for him to, tonight to show real real energy. He'll probably be asked a question about it. And so I think for him, you know, coming out of this, you know, using it as a launch pad going forward, the candidates know, I mean, the voters know that he is he's very much a serious candidate. He's in it to stay. Uh, and that he shows sort of the health and energy to continue. It'll be an important night for him. You know, I also mentioned Kamala Harris. You know, Harris, uh, you know, had a pretty big moment in the first debate. And then it's been a pretty tough summer for her. And, um, 
it's 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 challenging for the folks that are not in that top tier. You saw this in 2008, for example, where you had a very well-defined tier between John Edwards, Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton. It was very hard for candidates in that next tier to really get any oxygen. And I think Kamala Harris is going through that right now, where she's not been able to break through that top tier in in any one state or nationally. So I think for her, this is sort of the next best opportunity to sort of you know regain some footing. There's a lot of interest in her campaign. She's still raising good money. Uh, but again, I think tonight she's going to have to probably have another moment to see if she can move herself back into the top tier. And let me stop you for one second. You mentioned her challenges. Talk just a little bit about what those challenges have been of recent. Well, I mean, the biggest challenge is, is that she's she is fighting for, for, for room in various lanes that are pretty well occupied by others. And so, you know, uh, uh, Vice President Biden has done a very good job of, of consolidating support among African-Americans. Uh, that has limited Kamala Harris's growth, particularly in South Carolina and some places where I think she thought she would do well. You've seen Elizabeth Warren do a very good job of sort of being the semi-establishment alternative um, to, to to Joe Biden. Again, that sort of has boxed her out a little bit. And so, you know, I, I think for, for, for Harris, she's had a hard time sort of determining exactly what her path is. You know, she got into this race as, you know, probably more of a you know, a, a, frankly, a center-left senator, you know, a former prosecutor. She had, you know, those credentials. And I think she tried to sort of play in the progressive lane, which isn't really her her space. And so I think tonight it's sort of a chance for her to reboot. Um, it, you know, and it, and, it, and it may just be that she's in the same boat, again, that folks like Chris Dodd and Bill Richardson and Joe Biden were in 2008, where there just may not be enough oxygen for a, a fourth candidate. But I think you'll see her make a real effort to get back on the And, and the reason I ask is because, and I don't know whether this means anything and you tell me, somehow I got on Senator Harris's campaign email list and I have been bludgeoned. I have been inundated with Kamala Harris campaign emails. Is that, is that a, necessarily a good sign or a bad sign or what? Well, Jim, if you, if you really want to enjoy life, you should get on all 20 of their email lists. Well, there we go. Exactly. It, they will, they will uh, you know, it's one of those, if you don't, don't, if you don't, last one, if you don't uh, donate by Tuesday, I'm, my opponent might kick their dog. Right. You know, it's okay. really on you, Jim. It's on you. Uh, and, I, and I think that the third one that'll be interesting is, is what Tom Steyer is able to do. I mean, he's been able to buy his way into the debates by and large, um, you know, and, um, you know, whether or not he's able to grow beyond the four or five percent he is in a couple of early states that he's been able again to buy by buying buying it through tv ads um you know or is he just a, a guy who's throwing a bunch of money at this for not so i think for him it'll be interesting to see if he's able to again sort of make himself a not that he's not a serious candidate anybody who's a billionaire is a serious candidate but whether or not he's able to move beyond sort of that that next tier of folks uh, into somebody who is legitimately a contender for the nomination. As 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 far as you are able to say, what is your sense of Steyer in terms of uh, his seriousness in terms of his policies uh, reflected against his money? I mean, you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but this is a guy who who just, my sense is, happens to be a serious candidate. He just has millions and millions of dollars behind him. Yeah. And I mean, anybody who's worth a billion dollars who's running for president is de facto a serious candidate. Sure. This is not just a vanity project for him is what I'm is what I'm saying. Correct. Well, I mean, you know, everybody has different motivations for running for president. And, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I think he wants to be president. So, I mean, I, I don't, wouldn't certainly call it a vanity project, but it's more one of these things where, again, he's spent, you know, 20, 25 million dollars on television ads in the first four states. 
to to get to a level of support, which gets him in the debate. And so, you know, again, now whether or not he's ever able to grow beyond the three or four percent, five percent that he is in a couple of early states is going to be determined by is he able to take advantage of these moments and be something that's different. I think the challenge for, for Steyer is I don't know how his lane is different than anybody else. Other, I mean, what dif- differentiates him besides the fact that he's a wealthy guy that can spend a lot of money on ads? You know, there's just there's not there's not that much daylight between these candidates on issues, and I and I don't know that Steyer's sort of place on the platform is all that different. But we'll we'll see we'll see how he does tonight. Last question: I may be surprised by your answer, I may not. Who has which candidate has the most to lose tonight from a bad performance or a major misstep? Well, I mean, I, I think it's always hard to say. I, I tend to, as I've said in previous debates, I think that all of these singular moments probably are a little overplayed and a little overwrought. I mean, there's still, I think, five more debates before we get to the Iowa caucuses. So, you know, I don't know that— you Just know, five? Yeah, just just oh, five. Okay. Plus, plus any probably another dozen joint appearances in town halls. And so, you know, I think you're—, you're you're kind of only as bad as is your is the time between now and the next debate, which will be in November. So, you know, I think you know, um, obviously, you know, Warren's on an up up upswing. Um, she doesn't want to do anything that's going to stop that momentum. Vice President Biden's going to want to continue, you know, being in a strong position. He'll want to have a good night. Um, I think in some ways, like the, the bigger risk are for those folks that are sort of teetering on the tier. You know, if if a, again, if a Kamala Harris or a Cory Booker or a Mayor Pete or one of those folks had a, had kind of a moment that that you know, they really struggled. I don't expect any of them to. They're all very good. But I think, you know, for those folks that are really trying to get into that top tier, they got to have a good night. They they have the most to win, the most to lose. Correct. Uh, and there we have it. Steve Shale, what more can one say about you? You know, just frustrated Jaguars fan. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> we'll do sports next time <laughs> you're right. on. Uh, Steve Shale, thank you again for uh, coming to the studio. We appreciate it. We always enjoy having you on. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. All right. And now here's what's on the agenda for Tuesday, October 15th. Dana Young, the head of state tourism marketing agency Visit Florida, will speak before the Senate Commerce and Tourism Committee. That's at 9 a.m., 110 Senate Office Building. State Senator Lauren Book will present her bill to the Senate Health Policy Committee to create a prescription drug repository program within the state's Department of Health. That's at 9 a.m., 412 Knott Building. Department of Children and Family Secretary Chad Popple will speak before the Senate Children, Families, and Elder Affairs Committee. That's at 11 a.m., 301 Senate Office Building. Members of the House Health and Human Services Committee will hear pros and cons on various constitutional amendments to legalize the adult use of marijuana in Florida. That's at 11 a.m., 17 House Office Building. Democratic State Senator Randolph Bracey of Orlando and House Democratic Leader Keone McGee of Cutler Bay will hold a press conference on bills that would reduce the amount of time nonviolent first-time offenders have to serve before they're eligible for early release. We'll take it from 85% of their sentence down to 65%. That's at noon in the Capitol Courtyard. And a meeting of Senate Republicans will be held to formally designate, yes, Senator Wilton Simpson of Trilby as Senate President for 2022. Sorry, that's 2020 to 2022. That's at 2 p.m. in the Senate chamber. 
Finally, today's edition of Florida Man comes from our friends at News Channel 8. They report that a man was busted in Clearwater on a DUI charge after he was spotted driving on the sidewalk. Police said 29-year-old Corey Sapigao drove erratically on Gulf to Bay Boulevard, where he allegedly jumped the curb and drove on the sidewalk for a short distance. Here's the kicker. Sapigao told cops he's, quote, never had a valid driver's license like anywhere ever. No word on whether he qualifies for free driving lessons. And as always, folks are presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Jim Rossica reporting from Tallahassee for Florida Politics. Good morning and have a pleasant rest of your day.